Welcome back to season three, everyone. This week, we discuss a missing persons case, Hannah Up. She disappeared without a trace twice, and then she was found. But after a set of hurricanes hit the Virgin Islands where she lived, Hannah disappeared one last time. However, this time she was never found. To this day, Hannah is still considered missing. Listen in as we explore her mental state that led to her disappearances, the patterns in her disassociations, and her current status. Stay tuned to hear more. Hello, and welcome back for another episode of Special Criminals. My name is Casey, and I'm here with my sister, Monica. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to season three. We are on episode three now mm-hmm. of this season, and uh, I'm I'm really I'm excited about this one. It's going to be a missing persons slash unknown. See, okay, I'm I'm and I'm jealous because I have my next one for the next time we record, but I do desperately want to find the like the question mark cases. So I know. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I'm I'm excited about this one too because it's it's just. Um, it's just a little bizarre. I mean, there's honestly parts of it that you're like, really? And then all the other parts that you're like, well, I mean, what else could it be? It's just, it's really kind of interesting. Um, so I'm excited about that one. I'm not about that one, about this one. (laughs) Um, but first let's go ahead. We'll do our intro or our, um, disclaimers. Mm. That's what that is. So I'm going to try to be, I know what we've kind of been summarizing. And so that's what I'll do. So basically one, we're talking about people that have a diagnosis or a disability. We're looking from the perspective of our background, which is um, in special education. So we have, you know, that's where our degrees are. So we explore from that lens, try to give a, a um, explore it more or look at it more or more of an academic, you yeah. know, professional, like based on our experiences, you know, we're not professional psychs. Don't get us wrong. <laughs> right. From that just lens, to look yes. at it from that lens. Yeah. To say, okay, you know, this might contribute to that, or this mm-hmm. might be a factor here, you know, and, and give it that uh, background. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not looking to excuse any behaviors of anyone that's doing anything. And like in my case today, this isn't, this isn't even like a crime case. It's just kind of a an interesting case. Um, and so I like interesting. So that works. Yeah. So it's definitely, she has a diagnosis. She is a missing person. Uh, but there, there was no outward crime. So we'll talk about that. Hmm. Um, but anyways, and so we, if it is a crime case, though, we are not trying to excuse any behavior, you know, we're not trying to do anything like that. We're really just trying to explain and explore. Also, we are, uh, we, joke about things, you know, and so sometimes people don't think that what we're joking about is appropriate, but we have a sense of humor. Too bad. Sometimes it's a little dark. (laughs) And then also sometimes we do talk about different things. You know, we are sisters, so we go off on little tangents. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and we just, you know, it's, it's a conversational tone for us today or for us forever. Um, that's just what we do. And so if that is not something that you're really interested in, or you don't like the format or whatever that might be, Thank you for giving us a try. You don't have to stick around. We won't be offended. You can just see yourself out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is very close to the podcast. <sighs> nope. Background, not excusing, tangents, dark sense of humor. <laughs> Got it. I think okay. that's about it. I think that's it. Okay. And also, too, 
last episode, this is just a random side note, but last episode when I was editing it, I was like, I said, um, a a lot. So I'm trying my best (laughs) this time to not say, um, so much. That the filler is so, it's such a good filler. Like I I feel like something needs to be said. I need to be making noises to let the other person know I'm thinking, so, um, it well, is. <laughs> and exactly. And when I'm editing, there's a lot of spots that if it just, if it's quiet, you know, and then it's a little too long or whatever, you know, just if it's longer than a normal pause, it seems like something should go there. And so even as I'm editing it, it's like, oh, there's, there's this blank spot, you know, almost. And it's like, what should go there? And and that's usually when I go, um, and then, <laughs> and then I'm on to something else. So I, I kind of wish we could do, because we are recording audio, but we can see each other as we're talking, um, being states away. So that's, that's really nice now. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little perk, maybe too, well, too bad. I guess I should say we can't put some kind of automated voice in those dead air spots that just says blank stare <laughs> or, or <laughs> like furrowed eyebrows, right? Yeah. It's like staring at each other in a <laughs> They gaze at each other, confused. Yeah, like like I said, the stage directions are like the um, the uh, background confused. on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the little like subtext that you'd see, uh, or like you know how now if you put subtitles on and then they'll add that in, like um, intense laughing in or, Spanish. Yeah, or, yeah, or yeah exactly. <laughs> My favorite meme or a uh, gif sometimes when I'm responding to something is there's a there's one where this lady pops around a corner and she's being very dramatic it's from a spanish novella it's mm. novella but it literally says gasps in spanish oh <laughs> and Lord. it's just it's just her going <gasps> you know and it's like <laughs> hilarious so that's what we uh, need yeah we need like yeah. little sub subtitles maybe someday we'll record um video too oh girl <laughs> i don't know about that I mean, we'll although see. we do have very descriptive faces, so yeah, I'll, I'll play I with the idea. To, yeah, I need to clean up our backgrounds. <laughs> I can't do anything about like mine. Bad, yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like I never bother with this because the kids just they'll just like climb up, and mm-hmm. it's like the perfect height for them. And so I'm like, whatever. Anyhow. Anyway, so tangent over. Mm-hmm. Uh, good thing we gave Speaking a disclaimer, of, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk about our subject today. So today I'm talking about a lady named Hannah Up. As I mentioned, she is a she is still, I believe, considered a missing person. It's UPP, Hannah Up. Okay. And she's still considered a missing person, but she has a very rare diagnosis that led her to be in that state. Um, state of missing okay Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) I thought like did I miss a physical location already I mean I'll talk yeah she does (laughs) she does move around a bit and I'll talk about a couple different things like I will give some some background or info on the diagnosis also there's just not a lot I mean it's a lot of um unresearched unexplored territory kind of oh but she she also has a very um interesting outlook on, on things. Um, at a certain point, she, I'm, I'm jumping ahead slightly, mm-hmm. but it kind of, they talk about like, can we put almost like literally putting a tracking device on her? And she's like, nah. Does she go into fugue states? Yes. Oh, no way. It, yeah. Does she 
completely disassociate and have no, like, is it amnesia? Okay. You need to get into the meat of it, Casey. (laughs) Okay. Let's go. So, and if you don't know what fugue states are, we will get there. So let's talk about Hannah as, as a child, I don't have all of her specifics, um, right up front, but as a child, she grew up in the church. So her parents were both ministers. She grew up, sorry, Methodist ministers. Um, and she, hold on. I'm actually Google. I don't know why I didn't look this up. When was she born? Oh, I did. Oh, in 1985. As I say, she looks relatively young. So she's about your age. Yeah. I was born in 86. Exactly. Yes. I know what Casey. Yeah. Well, you know, they don't know. <laughs> and it's like, I thought I put it on there, but no, sorry. So sorry. Woo. Quick aside. Uh, she was born in 1985. So, <laughs> but she grew up with two Methodist minister parents, uh, grew up in the church. People described her that as a child, she was quote, the princess of her church. Uh, she had, it sounds like she, a nice way to say she was super annoying. <laughs> Everybody kind of, um, what's the yeah. word? Tolerated? Uh, no, like um, fond over her. Isn't that the word? Like, oh, oh maybe. maybe she ate, you know. So she grew up in the Japanese American churches in Oregon. And so her mom was a minister, but she also was fluent in Japanese and actually taught in Japanese or in Japanese in Japan for a while. <laughs> And they, but they are both American. So her parents were American, but her mother, like I said, fluent in, fluent in Japanese, taught in Japan for a bit. When she was young, her parents' perspectives on theology started to diverge. Um, Mm. So she, she characterized her, Hannah characterized herself as, uh, quote, the man of the book. It's a Latin phrase, homo unius libri. Okay. So man of the book. I'm sorry, not Hannah, her father. Her father uh, characterized himself. Okay. Then her mother started, like I said, they kind of started to diverge in this way. Mm-hmm. So dad started to get real, real anti-homosexual. Oh, okay. So he kind of went more into the like extremist. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not the, the right word, but it's close. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Conservative. so. Conservative. Orthodox, something like that. Well, hmm. and I, I think when we look at that and the interpretations of the text, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody interprets that. I, I think everybody interprets things a little differently. And some people have used certain things to further weaponize. With their, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So he would actually send monthly newsletters to colleagues, congregants, friends. He argued that there is, quote, no such human as a natural homosexual. Oh, child. (laughs) Buckle up, Monica. Okay. He urged, but it's not, it's not about him. So we're good. He urged his readers. I I don't care. You can have your opinion, but (laughs) Um, he urged his readers to quote, fully support biblical morality and to take that, to oppose any compromise with sexual deviance. Oh, so I take it to mean that he also had slaves and offered to sell his daughter to anyone that may have raped her. Sure. Just yeah, I mean, right. You sure. Because you have to fully support biblical morality. Yeah. And that's in the Bible. So Yeah. 
by the yeah. law. There's no mm-hmm. wiggle room. 3,000 years ago is the same as today. Mm-hmm. I don't know what these big iron horses are. Sure. <laughs> a lizard falls into my pot of grain. I must burn the grain and destroy the pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, All those things, ahead. right? Right. Oh, so, sure. So Barbara, <laughs> Barbara is her mom and okay. she filed for a divorce. <laughs> well, I hate to say yes, but it sounds like he that was a step away from it being extreme in other ways too, you know? Correct. Mm-hmm. So she filed for divorce when Hannah was 15. So we'll hear from Barbara a lot. Uh, mom, okay. Barbara mom is very involved. We do hear from dads somewhat, and I keep some quotes in from him just because I think some of his perspectives are very interesting. Oh, boy. Uh, um, so dad ends up moving abroad. He teaches gospel to indigenous tribes. He goes to Fiji, to Palau, to Guam, to Malta, to India, Zimbabwe, Guyana, I think is, Guyana. and the Philippines. Um, goes Traditionally all over. pretty conservative, rigid interpretations of doctrine as well. So Right. So that's where he goes. Okay. <laughs> well, he was selective. Yes. <laughs> so in 2007... Barbara, mom, Barbara took a leave from her position as a pastor and moved up to Pendle Hill. It's a Quaker retreat outside of Philadelphia. I want to go visit. Okay, go ahead. Yes. So at that point, Barbara and the father, and he's only, I only hear him referred to as up. So that's why I got confused before. (laughs) So Barbara and the father stopped speaking to each other. So they were like, nope, I'm done. Well. Which I mean, yeah, yeah that, I mean, obviously, and obviously, mom did not support those views, and that's when it's you know when it says that they diverged quite a bit. That's really that's hard. So, mm. in the spring of Hannah's sophomore year, Barbara said that she called her crying because she um, she was telling her that a United Methodist minister was defrocked after telling her congregation that she was in a relationship with a woman. So Hannah was really upset about that. And that's why, again, sophomore year of of high school, Hannah was troubled. That's something she thought was part of her faith. She considered cruel. So we'll see that a lot with Hannah, that she kind of has this, um, she likes to have that, that background. She likes to have that kind of to hold on to. Like a lot of people I think that are very religious, right? Like Mm. this is my rock, but then she struggles with when, what's actually taking place in the church when it doesn't match your perspective and understanding of what it is to have God's love or whatever. Right. And, and, but yeah, so it's like, she has that, but she's also a kind person. She's a caring person, uh, a loving, you know, so then she's like, so what you're telling me mm. is not kind and loving and caring, but it's tied to this religion that I have, you know, that I hold very dearly. Mm. So she, she struggles with that. So that was something that she talked about. She also said that I don't know if I have it right here. I don't, I don't remember the friend's name, but there was a friend that was, I think, Hindu or mm. Buddhist. And so the friend said, so you think I'm going to hell? Because, right. I, you know, and then Hannah got really upset about that too. And so she, she really like said, you'll see a number of times that she struggles with that. Um, the push and pull. Yeah. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. I have, like I said, I have this piece of me, this religion that's very important to me. And also I care about people. I'm open. I'm accepting. Mm. And those two things don't always mesh. And and that's, that's a struggle for her. Also by her junior year, Hannah started dating a woman. I was going to say, she's probably questioning as well. It tends to hit people the hardest. (laughs) Yes. And so then again, it's like, well, you know, but, but also they're going to disown me. 
Yeah. So she graduated. Uh, she goes to college. She graduates. She, so she's staying in Pennsylvania. She graduates from Pennsylvania Seven Sisters School in 2007. She moves to New York City after that. She started working as a teacher and also volunteering for different AIDS organizations and studying her master's degree <laughs> in education. She tends to start to work with like little kids. So we'll talk about that in a bit. She also found herself at this point, Geron, or um, as she was growing up and outside of this Quaker, or I'm sorry, in the Quaker retreat, Pendle Hill, mm -hmm. she found herself drawn a little more to Quakerism. She still did go travel with her father, though. So every once a year, if he went to a new place, she would go travel with him mm -hmm. and visit whatever part of the world that he was teaching in. One of her friends wondered if, or she's, she's wondered what it meant for Hannah to swallow a part of herself while she was traveling, because obviously dad is not accepting. Well, I've but been Hannah there before. Always, yeah. <laughs> but Hannah always spoke very fondly of her father. So that cognitive dissonance is, is severe. You know, that's mm -hmm. a really hard thing to, to contend with. So mm -hmm. ugh. good for her for trying, but ugh. Right. Um, friends said that she kind of, she would reside in Hannah land is what they called it. So she would just kind of find her, like she was her own little space, happy place. Yeah. And also, and people, it, it, they didn't mean that like negatively either, mm -hmm. you know, they meant that in every like positive way possible. And they talked about the fact that like, she was, everyone describes her as like a light in the room. Like she would just, she oh, cool. shined the brightest and, and people actually said sometimes it was exhausting because it was like she was so attentive and so caring and so just like over the top that they felt like I can't keep up with how nice you are. You know, like <laughs> you're doing so much for me and I feel like I can't oh, reciprocate man. that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So some of her friends, and like I said, in the best ways possible, but some of her friends were just like, Oh my gosh, like I can't like, you're just so, you're just doing so much. Smothered. I feel smothered. Yeah. So Another friend of her says, quote, she lives in this separate place where there are only butterflies and birds and rainbows and they all follow her around. Everything is good. Everyone is happy and there is no conflict. So that's kind of what they. I, okay. And this is me. So interpret mm -hmm. as you will. Would you find that annoying and or exhausting, Casey? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure because it's like, I'm not looking for the negative of things. However, it exists, you know? Mm -hmm. It, well, I, yeah, it would just be I, hard to be around that all the time. Like you can't yeah. feel entitled to a bad day or to feel upset. Right. So. Yeah. No. And it's like, yeah, I, I think I definitely try to look for positive, but there is negative, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't like to dwell on all, I don't like to focus in on the negative all the time. Sometimes Despite everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I'm like, but then, okay, let's move on. You know, that's kind of how I function. But yeah, I think if it was uh, like, I've said it before, when I meet people like at restaurants or like something, I'm like, Oh, you're too cheery. I know. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, you're too much for me. Like you're too bubbly. I have a cavity. Um, you're too sweet. Go away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a toothache. So she moves to New York and then we start to say, like I said, she starts to work at a school. Mm -hmm. So in 2008, she goes missing. Is this the first time? I'm assuming. The first time. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there are some new, like this, this gets pretty publicized, but, but mm -hmm. we have to kind of pay attention to September 1st and now the year, right now the year is 2008. So she was a middle school teacher at Thurgood Marshall Academy, a public school in Harlem. 
and she got hired, but then she didn't show up for the first year of school. Right. Oh, that's not good. Not good. Right. Oh. Her roommate found her wallet, passport, metro card, and cell phone in her purse on the floor in her bedroom. Oh, no. See, they must have been thinking she just got grabbed. Right. A news article came out that said, teacher, uh, 23, disappears into thin air. Like, all of a sudden, it was like, boop, she's gone. Literally. Yeah, because now you can literally not trace her. There's no cell phone. There's no credit cards. There's no passport. There's nothing. Metro card. Nothing. Holy shit. That's crazy. So she had been missing for about two weeks when she was seen. um, She was spotted at an Apple store in Manhattan. How far, how far away? Oh, never mind. You're not the one that does that. (laughs) You're going to have to look yourself. (laughs) Oh, excuse me. (laughs) I just like inhaled funny. So she's found in Manhattan or she's spotted at an Apple store. Okay. Mm -hmm. So her mother, so a detective called her, her mom, Barbara, and asked her to come to the 30th precinct in Harlem to view the surveillance footage. Okay. Okay. So again, she's been missing now for about two weeks. And then we see this, this sighting of her in, in an Apple store. Casey, it's only about two and a half miles away from each other approximately. Okay, so Harlem that's, to Manhattan. Yeah, that's crazy that someone could go missing for two solid weeks within three miles of where they went. Wow, okay. So there's so, so there's going to be more here. So Barbara watched the footage. She said that she saw a woman wearing a sports bra and running shorts. Her hair was pulled up into a high ponytail. Again, this is two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Her hair was pulled up into a high ponytail, and she ascends the staircase in the store. A man stopped her. And we find out later that he was actually asking her, like, aren't you that missing teacher? <laughs> oh, my God. And she goes, no, no, no. So so mom says she saw her, like, blow him off. Like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. And then she said, I knew instantly that it was her. Like, her mannerisms, the way that she behaved. You know, she said, I knew wow. instantly that it was her. Hmm. So... She had the, and she talked about her gestures and everything like that. So anyways, another camera captured her using one of the store's labs, laptops and she signed into her Gmail account. I also saw a report that said she signed into like her iTunes or something, but she signs into her own Gmail account. She looks hmm. at the screen for a second and then she walks away. She doesn't sign out? No. Is there a bug? There's a fly. So <laughs> I was like, what? What touched me? Well, it like we went like this, it like flew towards me, and I was like, what? Okay, sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, so, it coincided because I flicked my hand, like, what? <laughs> and you ducked as I did that, and I was like, you stop it right now. <laughs> You're done. Uh, yeah. well, mm. uh, anyways, so yeah, so she signed in, Did she looks at the screen, and then she just walks away. So this is her own, like, login information then she just boop and then she goes off two days after that she was spotted at a starbucks in soho okay okay people call the police again obviously because now like and her her face her name everything was plastered right like this missing teacher it was just such a bizarre story that it's like just all of a sudden she's missing and now people now she's like surfaced so people are seeing her so people were like boop so they call the cops 
The police arrived, but she walked out the back door by the time that they got there. So she went out the exit, the back door exit. Hmm. Then, hold on one second. Then police recorded sightings of her at a New York sports club that she had a membership to. Hmm. Um, This was near downtown or midtown, sorry, midtown. And they think maybe she had gone there to shower or just kind of like, you know, freshen up. She had been missing for over two weeks now. And then it said that it, it one, one quote said it, it seemed as if the city had simply opened wide and swallowed her whole. Like just whoop, all of a sudden, like I said. Oh, she's yeah. Like, okay. So again, for the people that are a lot like me, um, from Manhattan to Soho, where she was spotted the second time, it's about three or seven seven and a half miles. So that means she's about mm. 10 to 11 miles from where she first originated. Right. But again, it's so densely populated. It's crazy that she's able well, to and just that was blend two in. Days later now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So she went over seven miles approximately in about two days. Mm-hmm. Whereas before she was two weeks and three miles. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. See, and that, that to me speaks, I know intent, but like what was going on in that two weeks? Why did she feel that she was, I don't know. It's weird. It's really weird. We'll talk about it. Oh. <laughs> so on September 16th, it was now like the 20th day that she had been missing. The hmm. captain of the Staten Island ferry saw a woman's body floating in the water near Robin's reef. If you want to look that up. I kind of do. Robin's reef. <laughs> Rocky outcropping with a lighthouse south of the Statue of Liberty. Two deckhands steered a rescue boat towards the body, which was floating face down. Um, one of the men said, quote, I honestly thought she was dead. The deckhand lifted her ankle and the other picked up one of her shoulders. And when they did that, she took a gasp of air and started crying. Oh, <gasps> what in the, I, th- I thought this was going to be like, oh, it was a lookalike something Casey, this Robin's reef is like scary far away from the shore. At least if you're not in like a, a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Holy jeez. So, and so again, now it's been, you know, five, maybe five days since we last saw her or yeah, maybe four days, right? Four, three, four days since we last saw her in the coffee shop. Right. Wow. So the woman was taken this, this, woman that they plucked out of the water was taken to Richmond University Medical Center on Staten Island. For three weeks, her own biography had been inaccessible to her. But then when they started to ask her questions, she was able to tell them that her name was Hannah. And then she was also able to give them her mother's phone number. Wow. Three weeks. Mm -hmm. Dang. So Barbara mom arrived within an hour And at the time, Hannah's father was living in India where he taught seminary. Her brother was a Navy officer in Japan. So Barbara went and she said that Hannah looked both sunburned and pale. It looked like she had been pulled behind a boat for three weeks. And the first thing she said was, why am I wet? Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Because again, she she had only been there for an hour. Okay. When mom stood up, right? So in the hospital... Actually, that doesn't quite make any sense. Didn't didn't they keep her there for three weeks until she could remember mom's name or like information? 
Oh no, no. They were just saying for three weeks, she didn't know like who she, you know, Oh, I understand. Okay. They had her at the center. She was able to say, my name is Hannah. Here's my mom's number. Oh, okay. Okay. I get it. That was just, I got that from an article that had just nice, fancy writing. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah. (laughs) Anyways, I'll talk about it too. There was one article that I got a lot of really great information from. It was like a book almost. It was so good. Um, Anywho, so while she was there, she was treated for hypothermia, dehydration. She had a severe sunburn only on the left side of her body. And, but her condition improved very quickly. Friends came to visit her. Uh, some or her, her roommate at the time said she saw me and smiled and said something like, I hope they release me soon. I have to go set up my classroom. So he says she clearly didn't get the three weeks had passed. Wow. Wow. Later that day, the police interviewed her privately. Mom uh, stood up, Barbara, mom stood outside the room and <laughs> mom, Barbara, <laughs> she said that I could hear her trying to respond to the, to their questions. She was really trying. She was trying to give them what they wanted, but she just didn't have any explanation. Okay. Her last memory was that she went to go, she went for a run in Riverside Park near her apartment the day that she went missing. And she says the next thing she remembers, she woke up in an ambulance. Oh my gosh. So mom slept in a chair by her hospital bed. Um, At one point she said that in the middle of the night, Hannah jolted awake, said, I was at the lighthouse and then fell right back to sleep. When Barbara asked her about it in the morning, Hannah said, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Wow. No idea. But remember, she was found right next to the lighthouse. Yeah, near the lighthouse and and by the Statue of Liberty. So she was transferred after this to a psychiatric facility. Well, (laughs) (laughs) run by the Columbia University Medical Center. She underwent a series of brain imaging tests, but the doctors couldn't find any neurological condition that would cause her to forget her identity. So obviously they started with the typicals, right? Like, did you have a trauma, blunt force injury? You know, like, mm-hmm. did something happen to you that, that physically that could explain, right? That could cause this. So nothing there. They also concluded that the episode was psychological in nature. It said, as soon as she was lifted from the river, she remembered all of the details of her life, but prior to the disappearance. So the last three weeks, so she like could remember things again, but the last three weeks were just completely gone. Hmm. At this point, she was given a diagnosis of disassociative fugue, which is a rare condition and where people lose access to their autobiographical memories and their personal identity. Occasionally they'll adopt a new one Mm -hmm. when they're in this state. They may also abruptly embark on a journey. So basically they're just like, Oh, Okay, here we go. <laughs> They're just doing something else. See, and I, I picture kind of that, um, like in a video game, when you go back to the character creation, right? Or you load a new mm-hmm. save file. Yeah. Like, I mean, fugue states, I, I think, are horrifying. And if I was fugue, like disassociative fugue prone, I would mm-hmm. absolutely want chip me like a fucking dog. Sorry, a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Chip me like a dog. Go scan me if you find me. (laughs) Well, but okay. I don't want to jump too, too far ahead, but we will talk about that. Like I said, and and she declines to be, to be monitored. 
So it says that obviously these, these fugue states are typically triggered by trauma. Often it's sexual or physical abuse. It might be a combat experience or exposure to a natural disaster even. Um, sometimes it's an unbearable internal conflict. So when something is so severe, you know, inside stressful dealing with, then it, yeah, it can cause this. But it, it, we'll talk about that. I'll talk a little more about what Hannah said, but Hannah mm-hmm. basically, if that happened, if something like that happened, she doesn't even remember that. Ooh, I wonder if she was like um, attacked while she was running and that memory was just written out, you know? Yeah. I'll talk a little bit more about that, but I do want to say that there was um, his name. I'm going to say his first name, Felipe. His last name might be Tisi, Tisai. One of the first psychiatrists to study fugue states characterized it as kind of a self-exile. In 1901, he wrote that the legend, now that again, this is a quote, so the legend of the wandering Jew has become a reality proved by numerous observations of patients or unbalanced persons who who suffer from an imperious need to walk on and on and on. So again, like that long journey, right? I need to go do something else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hannah was even hypnotized to see if she could remember or recall it, some sort of traumatic event that may have triggered her fugue state, but she couldn't remember anything unusual and the hypnosis didn't bring Mm -hmm. anything to light. Hannah and her family, yeah, Hannah and her family all said that like as a young child, she hadn't endured anything that would be considered, you know, particularly traumatic. Her roommate, her, her most recent roommate at the time said that when he visited her, she was her normal upbeat self. She was still funny. She was, then she said that she started rattling off possibilities. She said, was I in a hit and run? Was I mugged? Was I assaulted? Like, so she was wondering the same things. And I find that so bizarre that it's like, obviously something caused this to happen and you don't even remember that. Man. Yeah. So she said that the beginning of the new school years was obviously always stressful Mm-hmm. Um, her students struggled and she wanted to help them again, caring, right? So if her students had unstable housing or they were hungry or whatever she needed, she tried to address all like to meet her students' needs, which obviously is just wonderful when teachers are that way. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't just her classroom, you know, so everyone was struggling, but that, but that it's like, that's not enough. Obviously again, new school year, it's always stressful. You're trying to work with students like well, just ask any teacher more severe needs probably in the Harlem yeah. area I mean this is long after the Harlem Renaissance you know right. just all of that stuff so yeah it, right and and so but it it wouldn't have been more than usual you know so they mm-hmm. were just kind of saying like no one thought that just having a new school year starting would trigger, would trigger it like yes Although I do have to say, when I first went to that my ED school and everything was in such chaos and flux, I had, mm. um, do you remember that? I had for like three months, three or four months, a full body rash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and they were like, we don't know what triggered it. I'm like, mm-hmm. like, I feel fine though. I feel fine. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, <laughs> don't well, know what to I tell mean, you. Yeah. yeah. Obviously it's stress response. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the body does, does do crazy things, but, mm-hmm. but again, I, I think the consensus is something this severe mm-hmm. is, is caused by something equally severe, you know, and yeah. new school year stuff would not typically fall. But again, I mean, everyone's threshold is I... different, right? So who knows? Sorry. I just <laughs> the the mic. 
Whoops. <laughs> um, anywho, so in the hospital, Hannah actually started reading the news articles about her <gasps> disappearance. Did she? Of, well, yeah, because it was all over the place, you know? Wow. And so she said that there were like comments from readers, obviously not all were nice. Um, yeah, you never read the comment section. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she said she was really embarrassed. She actually thought about changing her name, you know, but she ultimately decided that it, she didn't want to run away from this, right? And, and recognizing that, like, this was not her fault. I have a quote from her later that I'll, when I get to it, I'll read. But, you know, she talked about, like, it's weird to feel bad for something that you don't know you did, you know? So, right. And I can imagine that, right? Like, I'm sure you feel a lot of different things. Like, I did what? You know, how embarrassing. People were looking for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also she had no control. So one of the psychiatrists on the um, psychiatric unit where she was in Columbia, um, his name was Aaron Krasner. He's now a professor of clinical psychiatry at Yale. He described that the comments in the news come across as very condemning and discrediting. Um, he said, I think this speaks to the rage that dissociative conditions can um, incur in people. Mm. There is an ineffable quality to disassociative cases. The cha- they challenge the conventional understanding of reality, which, again, I think mm. well, I, I think if we consider any time in history and in mankind, I can't. <laughs> whenever we've been faced with something that we really don't know and don't understand, there are a certain amount of people that are like, and they just want to get mad about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Burn it with fire. So oh, absolutely. Or we, we attribute things to outside controls, right? Like our oh, my crops aren't growing because the rain's not falling because mm-hmm. Zeus is upset, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Persephone is upset. Right. <laughs> or know, right. The right? God of rain or yes. Mm-hmm. Or my, my personal favorite was always, there's a hurricane because the gays like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how much trying to gay wash you guys storm? Away. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I hear that gay people are, you know, that you're allergic to water, right? So hurricane just, I, right? Would get all I of mean, you. You would all just be. It's news to me. <laughs> <laughs> like why, why would, what would, because, you know, typically they would try to explain things that had a direct correlation, but why right. would a hurricane be linked to gay people? Like, Unless that was the thought that wind and water is like what takes you all down. I don't know. Unpredictable and chaos, like the gaze. Like I, what? Chaos. <laughs> you just have to find the eye of my storm. Like what is this? This is stupid. <laughs> okay, moving I, on. <laughs> this is a, such a random side note. Um, I don't know why this is. But anyways, I found this guy on like Facebook Reels. You know how you can like mm-hmm. see all the funny videos. Mostly people post them on TikTok, but they also post them there. But there's this hilarious guy and he has like the best hair. Like he, he has bleached his hair to perfection. Oh, but he's, he's a gay. Yeah. He's a gay guy. And he, but he goes on, he does these videos of like, if he was in the zombie apocalypse. Oh, I've seen him. <laughs> oh, like, I love him. Oh, I just got this done. Do you know how difficult this is? I oh, I'm not doing that. my roots. Yeah. <laughs> And then he's like, so I sold our water and food and I got us some fall decorations. <laughs> like he's just hilarious. Oh, what do that. I contribute? Oh, I. Floral or <laughs> <laughs> That one. 
Oh God. Okay. Anyways, uh, if you have okay. not seen him, please go find him. He's, he's hilarious. hilarious. Absolutely. Yeah, and I so like funny. that he's playing an overdone character. Totally. But someone's going to think that that's real Casey. Like, you I know. Mean, yeah. Well, if we have a zombie apocalypse, we'll see how he goes. And then it's just, it's so funny too, that he's like, I mean, they're just humans. They can't bite through denim. <laughs> like, it's, oh, how did I survive? I like, yeah. Yeah. He said, I layer. <laughs> he said, even a thick fleece. <laughs> oh my God. So okay. funny. Although I'd like to think that zombies would have like, they'd have no self-preservation. So just like when people are in like stressful environments, they can lift cars all of a sudden or throw right. rocks off themselves. I think that's how zombies would work all the time because there's nothing yeah. in the brain going, oh, hey, you're going to hurt yourself. You just grab onto someone until their arm fell off, you know? Yeah. No. And, and that's what I think too. It's like, I think there is, cause there's that carnal, you know, animalistic nature that they will, I mean, they'll get you anyways. Okay. <laughs> Enough of, enough of gay people <laughs> and, and zombies and, and zombies. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Um, so we talk about the, the, uh, Columbia psychiatrist and he does say, or he said that he was troubled by the, the, essentially the lack of medical literature on these states, you know, so there's not a lot of, um, research, like I said before, not a lot of information, really, there are no medications to specifically target the problem. Disassociate quote disassociate a fugue, yeah, <laughs> yep, fugue, fugue. <laughs> okay, I had something else pop in my brain, but I'm not oh, gonna say it out loud. We should have said that we're not super clinical when we're discussing things because mm. this is just making me think of that right now. That's okay, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Moving on, anywho. So it's he said, quote, it's the rare bird of disassociation, but even disassociation as a phenomenon. Um, oh, sorry. He said, but disassociation as a phenomenon can be common, right? So that, that can be common, but the disassociative fugue, fugue. why do I keep, why do I keep saying it that way? Fugue, um, is not. <laughs> so not of something that's rare, fugue states are that much rarer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, well, it, well, no. So disassociation can be common. Right. In, oh, in okay. some way. So just the simple act of disassociating. Um, but he says, fair, he, go, okay. he goes on to say, maybe it's not right here. Anyways, he talks about people that do it um, like planned or as needed, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like while you're driving. Exactly. So mm-hmm. just disassociating can be common, but now I'm afraid to say it. Fugue. Fugue. There you go. Yeah. It's like, I, want, I keep wanting to say it like huge. When you tell myself, yes. Anyways, so it says, as as a field, we have not done our due diligence um, because he says he thinks, in part, because it's frightening and it's terrifying to think of what we are that we are all vulnerable if we had a lapse of selfhood, which I think, yeah, that's a really interesting to like way to describe it. I mean, because that's that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. You are not present anymore. Mm 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 mm. Like, yourself. Yeah. You mm-hmm. are not your selfhood. Is yeah. You don't have any agency over your actions anymore, which right. I mean, and that, that makes a lot of sense why someone who's so typically like characterized as like welcome, accepting, chatty, whatever. Um, when the dude came up to her and was like, aren't you this person? She was like, go, go away. I don't, what are you talking about? You know? Right. So actually Freud explored disassociative states in his early writings. Uh-huh. Is but, it mom's fault? <laughs> yes. 
but it did not easily fit into his theory of human behavior, right? Sure. Mom's fault and everything's an oral fixation. Well, so he does say that most (laughs) of the disassociative patients that he saw said that they were sexually abused as children, but he ultimately concluded that their memories were fantasies. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) Because it doesn't fit my model of my niche. Right. So let's. So you're making it up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he proposed, and of course, so obviously, uh, I don't know if, if anyone is aware, but some of, a lot of what Freud a lot. Uh, proposed is not really accepted anymore. It's not in vogue. <laughs> no. So that's why we're kind of uh, poking fun at this about a little it. bit. He proposed that unacceptable mm. wishes were repressed into the unconscious and that traces of them resurfaced in people's fantasy lives. <laughs> It's awkward. Stare. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Subtitle. Theorists of disassociation disagreed, arguing that some events were so traumatic that afterward, mind is. Uh, we've talked about this. Mind is unable to develop um, as an integrated whole, and that's where sometimes things can split, and you find yourself, you know, in different states. The French philosopher and psychologist um, Pierre Janet who developed the first formal theory of disassociation in in 1889, wrote that, quote, personal unity, identity, and initiation are not primitive characteristics of psychological life. They are incomplete results acquired with difficulty after long work, and they can remain very fragile. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. My goodness. So obviously cases of disassociation are just a little off. They're just weird. They're just abnormal. You know, they can be to this level. It it can just be like, it seems like a lot of time doctors are like, I don't know what to do for you. You know, like, I don't, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's why we have like um, (laughs) tags on different things, Mm -hmm. like with an OS, not otherwise specified where it's like, Mm -hmm. it's not quite fitting or it's, you know, autistic-like characteristics, ADHD-like, like, like, you know, but I hate that we continually, we have to have a label to kind of have an idea of how to proceed with things. Mm -hmm. But when a person does not fit those labels or, or boxes precisely, all of a sudden we're at a loss. Right. Mm. Right. So the prevailing thought in um, psychology and psychiatry and behaviorism and psychoanalysis said that the mind um, or they adopted models of the mind that were incompatible with this concept. And so then obviously people have started to research it more. And it does seem to be that most people that claim this or have this have been abused as children, and then they have developed multiple selves. Now, sometimes the public responds to these stories, right? And as things pop up, sometimes we see more, right? So it comes like we've talked about before, kind of, it becomes pop culture, or it mm-hmm. becomes the thing to, to do or have. So mm-hmm. then they get this surge of cases and then it kind of fades and then something else will pop up, you know, so it'll kind of do one of these. Yeah. Everybody so, has DID. Everybody is ADHD, right. you know? Right. Yeah. OCD. Right. So we, mm-hmm. we use the, sometimes people just use it kind of willy nilly mm-hmm. to describe things. Yeah. Yeah. So. Willy nilly. Willy nilly. It's a clinical term. So (laughs) Hannah, back to Hannah, she thought that her fugue state may have begun with a liminal phase. Okay. So an in-between state. 
So yeah, and I had to look at that. So it's basically relating to a transitional or an initial stage of a process. Mm-hmm. So that's what liminal means. Yeah. Liminal spaces tend to, tend to be things that are in between transitions, like parking mm-hmm. garages, hallways, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. makes sense. So it says, she says that there were two days when she slept in her apartment, but she didn't communicate with anyone. Her bank records showed uh, showed that she had gone to a movie in Times Square, but she had no memory of seeing this movie. Hmm. So I also remember, if you remember the, the interview that we did with, I forgot the name that we gave her, Emily, Emma, something with an E. I know we didn't use her real name. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember the, the pseudonym. Anyway. Yes. She's but fantastic. When, yes. <laughs> but so when we chatted with her and remember she talked about, what did she call it? Like her lizard state or something where it's mm-hmm. like, I'm just meeting me like basic survival yeah, needs. And Pluto. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so that's where, that's what this kind of reminded me of. Like hearing that, that she, she didn't talk to anybody. She obviously, she went out and did something, but like nothing she just was. else. Yeah. She was just there. So during the reset that the weeks that Hannah was wandering, her family thinks that she understood on some level that people were looking for her. She Hmm. said that she characterized her time, her, her recollections of the time as just continually roaming. Hmm. And the brother says, quote, we think that maybe she had a sense that she was being hunted, but she didn't know why. So like almost like an awareness of like, people are trying to find me. But didn't really recognize the reason based on, yeah, based on the condition of her body when she was found her, she and her family concluded that she had attended a floating lantern ceremony. And then three days later, when she went back to the pier, that's when she went into the water. Hmm. So that's what they think is that. Cause she, she describes that she could see, she saw lights on the river. You know, and so they think, okay, so maybe she went to the ceremony and then, you know, after that she went back. It It is likely that Hannah spent the night in the river and then- spent the night in the river without freezing to death? Mm-hmm. <gasps> it said that her skin showed signs of prolonged immersion. Barbara said that Hannah vaguely remembered holding onto the hull of a barge. What the hell? She may have wanted some rest, but then she realized that she was going towards the propeller, so she swam away. She said it was as if her body, undirected by what we typically conceive as consciousness, was just intent on survival, Like like I said. That's what that reminded me of. Hannah and her family thought that she either swam or maybe washed onto the Robin's Reef. She, her knees and, and legs were scraped. Oh. She slept there the following day, long enough to get a sunburn, but then she went back into the water. And so again, so remember it talked about only her left side had the burn? Yeah, and that's what I pictured. Maybe she fell asleep on the sand somewhere, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. So that's what they think with the Robin's Reef, because again she was all scraped, you know, scraped mm-hmm. up, and there's and they described it as a rocky reef. She did say that she tried to see a few therapists, but didn't find that overall very helpful. She described the mental health system as dogmatic and overly attached to just its diagnostic models. Well, which yes. of course <laughs> she didn't fit. <laughs> yeah. So then she said. If people want to spend time figuring out what set this off, they can, but I'm not going to spend the rest of my life focusing on it. See, and I would have a hard time with that because I want to know how can I avoid this in the future? Is it avoidable? 
Yes. And so this is the attitude that Hannah has um, about life in a number, and this pops up a number of ways, a number of different times that I just don't, I I do, I struggle with this too. Cause I think. Yeah, for sure. So some of the research done does talk about, you know, different, different times or different ways that this might happen. And there was a professor of psychology, his name is Etzel Cardenia in Sweden. And he describes this as anomalous psychological experience. He published textbooks that he, he said, quote, the phenomenon quote falls through the cracks of the house built by contemporary mainstream psychology. So again, just another way to say that this doesn't really fit what we have. He said in our culture, we have a nice narrative that personality is stable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, but that is fiction. When a person's enter a fugue state and becomes someone else or isn't there, it's an exaggerated version of the way that we all are. Hmm. And he he's the one, so I mentioned this a minute ago, but he's the one that researched these altered states of consciousness and found that some people will do this during religious practices. Um, oh. Sometimes they do it when they are looking at like rituals or spiritual possession. They talk about trances, right? Or speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm even an intimate experience of God. And so that's where, like I said before, sometimes it's like, oh, this might happen from time to time, even almost like in a, in a more regular sense, we just don't call it disassociation. We call it something else, you know? So he said a lot of that can be tied to religion. Hmm. Oh yeah. I know. I'd, I would enter a fugue state if I went to a church right now. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm outside. You'd and be leaving. blown away from a hur- by a hurricane. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Anyways, um, so it does say that nearly all the medical literature suggests that people in fugue states will adopt a new identity. But for Hannah, mom says it was more like the complete absence of an identity. Hmm. She called it a quote dangerous nothingness. So again, I'm, like I, I just picture that survival state. Like I am just surviving. Oh yeah, no, and I think that that's probably a smart way to do it. You know. Hi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they also said that nothing we quote nothing we know indicates that she built or created a new identity, hmm. or if she did, she lost it when it came back. So like again, just whether it was there or not, but it doesn't seem like it was because there are actually other famous stories of people who go into this state and then they go and they have a new name and they open like a candle shop, like random Mm -hmm. shit, you know, that they go do all this other stuff. And then they're like, Oh, that that's not me, you know, and and, where, (laughs) right. She didn't seem to have anything. So instead of these people that go into a fugue state and they, they have a mission, they, they go to do something. She just wandered. She was just out there. So that kind of wow. comes up. So, okay. I do find that interesting. Like it's like, yes. instead of putting on a mask or something, you know, something yeah. new never emerged. She just regressed in some weird way almost. Yeah. Huh. She just kind of was there. It's interesting. So That's crazy. A little more than a year after this first appearance, she left New York. She went back to Pendle Hill with mom. Sometimes, sometimes this place is called the Mecca for Quakers. <laughs> so I, I thought that was funny. I put I that in here. That is really interesting. <laughs> but Hannah, she worked in the kitchen. She attended daily meetings for worship, which is just a half an hour of silence, <laughs> which I also thought was interesting. 
That's so okay. Mm hmm. There was an intern um, at Pendle Hill who dated Hannah while she was there. And he said that he viewed her episode as a quote, freak accident. Hmm. He believes that quote, Hannah gives so much to other people that at a certain point there's nothing left and she departs from herself. So that was his take, but I mean, take Hmm. that with a grain of salt. So after working at Pendle Hill for a few years, Hannah was hired as a teaching assistant for at a Montessori school in Maryland. It says that she was drawn to the Montessori notion of education because it protects the autonomy of children mm-hmm. um, and it makes them, or she felt that it was um, capable of saving humanity. So this, this, she says style. That? Yeah. Oh no. Hold on. No, no, I'm sorry. That was, that's Mon- Maria Montessori's. That's her notion. Oh, I was going to say, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but she, that's what she liked about it. Like she really took to that, like, oh, this, this way of teaching. So again, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a teaching style, mostly for young kids. It's a Montessori style. So, um, let's see. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, on the morning of Hannah's first day of class, Barbara gets a phone call from the police. Oh my gosh. Guess so what happened again? She disappeared on the first day of school again. She disappeared on the first day of school. So they told her that Hannah's purse, wallet, and cell phone had been found on a wooded footpath in Kensington, Maryland. That's where she was working. A colleague reported that as she was driving to school, she saw Hannah walking quickly, but in the wrong direction. Hannah's mother and friends Get from Pendle Hill. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, what am I yeah. doing? Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> nope. I just, that's what I pictured. Like, nope, not doing it. Can't do it. So her mom and friends from Pendle Hill drove to Maryland and looked for her in the woods, put up flyers around town. Obviously, they were looking like where her stuff was found. They discovered that she also hadn't slept at her apartment the night before. So in the previous 24 hours, no one had talked with her. The next day at 1030... Barbara received a call from an unknown number. All she said was, Mom? (laughs) So she was only missing for two days this time. Or I guess on the third day, she was found. Um, Hannah found. On the third day, the the tomb was emptied. (laughs) (laughs) And then she reappeared. She reemerged. Um, let me see what year this was. I think it was 2013, but I don't want to well, say that. I, I am kind of blown away that like there is some kind of trigger event with starting school. What happened on the first day of school for her? Okay. So she's was, gone. Okay. <laughs> yes. So again, it was September of 2013, right? So September of 2008 was the first time for three weeks. Now September of 2013, first day of school again. Okay. So, um, let's see. Okay. Hannah found herself in a dirty Creek in a residential area in Wheaton, Maryland. So I don't know if you want to look that up, but she went from Kensington to Wheaton. Oh, here it is. A mile and a half. Okay. So there you go. (laughs) A mile and a half from her school. There was a shopping cart beside her. And the, um, one of, Mom's friends that came recalled that Hannah, quote, gathered herself instantly. It was sort of like her soul was getting sucked back into her body. What? At that at that point, it said that she, when she woke up, she walked to the closest commercial area. She found a stranger, asked to borrow the phone. 
And that's when she realized that she had been walking for more than two days. And that's when she called her mom. Was she walking in circles a mile and a half? Girl, I, I might be out of shape as the son of a gun, <laughs> but like a mile and a half would not take me two days. No. no. And also she was found in water again. That's super weird. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, she woke up, came to whatever. Mm-hmm. 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 The, and again, part of her theme, right? So will that'll, we'll come, that'll come up again. So later, Hannah reviewed text messages that she had sent the day that she disappeared. We could see in the, te- quote, we could see in the text where she had made the transition, mom said, quote, she could remember sending some of the texts, but then at one point she said, I don't remember any of this. So she had been texting. She had her phone with her this time. She had been texting, but didn't remember at a certain point. She said, I do remember this message. Don't remember any of the rest. Her friends were struck by the similarities that we both already picked out. In both instances, she disappeared at the beginning of the school year after traveling with her father. So that was the other piece is that she had traveled with her father, came back, was starting a new school year, mm. and disappeared. David – oh, that's his, that's dad. David up. I don't know why I didn't remember that before. David up. David up. He had pondered whether the vacations had been a trigger for her. But he wasn't satisfied with that explanation. And dad, we hear from him. Well, and I think it's because it's tied to him. He doesn't want to admit that. Mm. So he does a lot of emails. So he says, quote, travel. Mm -hmm. That's just what we do. He wrote, quote, Hannah and I have been to 25 nations together. So it is normal, not disruptive for her. Dick. (laughs) Like, Right. Yeah, I, let's yeah, let's, let's speak to. I know my daughter so well that I will speak to what she views as normal disruptive. and not yeah. or disruptive. Yeah, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. no, he may be right, but you are evidently not an authority on your daughter. Mm-hmm. She's not an authority on her. Some of the time, you know, like right. There was also at one point that Hannah described the quote violent surprise and loneliness of returning home from a trip to Ghana. I thought I was coming home. This is another quote. I thought I was coming home, but I was surprised at the longing for a new place that I had grown comfortable with. So I do think there is that state of if she feels like content and happy traveling, and then you kind of, it's almost like, I feel like going on vacation, you come home and you're like, Ugh. right. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. You know, like, back to reality. To work, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that, but that's, all interesting, right? So in the summer, she travels with dad. She comes back. She's supposed to start a new school year. Both times she's starting a new teaching job and she goes missing. In And also in both states, in both fugue states, she, she has been drawn to water. So mm-hmm. her friend said, the way she describes it is she finds herself in a body of water and then she realizes who she is. Almost like uh, those weird birthing exercises when people have that so creepy those are super strange Mm -hmm. (laughs) super weird i've Um, never done it i don't want to speculate but it's oh i'll speculate all day long (laughs) i think it's weird as hell swaddled in some kind of viscous dark place fluid nope i know you're gonna squeeze and be rebirthed no Uh, yeah that part i don't know Mm -mm. (laughs) 
That's weird. I, I get where some people like if they feel like the the comfy like the coziness, like the tightness, some people like that feeling and just kind of feel yes. like feeling secure. But yes. the whole process of like being yeah, no, that's weird. Yeah. So no. All right. So Hannah <laughs> returned to her job after a few days. Right. So she was kind of right back on it. The following year, she was hired as a teaching assistant for a preschool, um, Montessori school in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Oh, okay. cool. Let's put her surrounded by water this time. <laughs> put her right. in the desert, y'all. The closest body of water is a water fountain. Or, a, yeah. or <laughs> I know. So when she, she did at this point though, she, she disclosed her condition to the administrators at the school and they were accepting. I so might she wander felt off. Like, <laughs> I know. Literally. How do you say that? I might disappear by the way. Um, she told her friends that she was moving to paradise. So here's, so here's where this comes up after she disappeared the second they time. They caught her in a crabbing net, didn't they? Something. No, <laughs> no, no. She had a shopping cart. Remember? Um, So after the Maryland disappearance, Barbara said that friends would ask her, like, can't you put a chip in her like you would in a schnauzer? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So actually, the police in Maryland had proposed using the type of ankle bracelet that people who are like on house arrest have to wear. No. Okay. So they offered that. Just go stab her in the butt with a chip. Well, she's asleep. Well, some of those, some of those, you, they're not like necessarily tracking. They're just, if they scan it, it'll give you the information. You know what I'm saying? Oh. So I don't know, but either way, mm. they did offer her that, but she's, but mom said, quote, she didn't want to pursue it. She refused to be defined by this. And I chose to honor her decision. No. Negligent. <sighs> like, <laughs> She said, quote, I had to be clear that I'm not living my daughter's life. She's living it and she needed to have the freedom to make choices. But again, I think. To go missing. Yeah. That's, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. learning to play a new instrument, starting a new career, dropping Mm -hmm. out of college. Like your Mm -hmm. daughter may actually go missing Mm -hmm. for who knows how long. And maybe she may not come back to herself this time. Well, so. In, let's see, in 2017, on September 6th, 6th oh, another September, September 6th, 2017, Hurricane Irma hit St. Thomas on the Virgin Islands where she was. It was a week after, a week after she began her fourth year of teaching. Oh, okay. So she actually survived longer this time teaching. She survived. Yeah. She survived her first years, but again, she was doing the Montessori stuff, right? So she really liked that. She appreciated that piece. So I don't know if it was just like, she felt more confident or comfortable in that space. Um, but anyway, so they, the hurricane hit, they obviously had to hide in their apartment and blah, blah, blah. It just, and if you look it up like this, um, hurricane Irma just destroyed Oh yeah. The islands. So the next morning, um, the next morning, the Island had turned brown, like everything, it was just, everything was just a mess. You know, it was, it was like, everyone thought, oh my gosh, this is never like, we're not going to recover from this almost. Mm -hmm. Hannah did text her friends that she was safe, but she said the Island is devastated. I don't recognize anything she wrote, but since her at one point, one of her roommates after her first um, fugue state had a like, a uh, 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 code with her, like a code word, mm-hmm. um, with her. 
And so he, after the storm hit, he checked on her with that and she responded. So it was like, okay, she's still there. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. But then six days after the storm, she drove to an ex-boyfriend's house to check on him. She found out that he was leaving on a ship. So they had these like, um, um, fairies. Yeah. But it was like a, like a, uh, mercy ship almost like okay if you just want to get off the island like come on we're gonna take all of you we're gonna get you off the island you know what i mean a relief taxi almost yeah but it was like a cruise ship (laughs) so a little bougier than fema (laughs) um so she found out that he was gonna go on one of these ships and so she went to the marina to say goodbye after she left the marina she never used her phone again so the next We're on day, an island. No, she became a mermaid and swam away. The next day, she was helping in the school to prepare for the next hurricane, Hurricane Maria, which was coming. And she said the person she was working with, her name was Norma, like the person she was helping, her name was Norma. She said that she would ask her to do everything and Hannah would say, yes, Norma. Yes, Norma. Yes, Norma. And she was like, why are you doing that? Right. Like she said, that's not, that's not how she, what, like, that's not how she behaved. She never said that, you know? So she was like, why are you weird? Like, why are you acting that way? And she said, even other things, she turned into a robot. So again, I think of the, the survival state, right? Like going back to how she was before. So she, she said, Hannah was never a yes person. Like if you asked her to do something, she'd ask you follow-up questions or she'd want to know why you're like, what would you, you know, da, da, da. So that same night, Hannah's roommates told her that they all wanted to leave the island as well. And Hannah said, nah, I'm going to stay. Okay. The next morning, Hannah said she was heading to the school and a roommate watched her get in her car, but then she never showed up at school. Again, it's an island. There are limited places to go. I will say too, in the times that she had um, been there, she was swimming a lot and like exercising and do a lot, doing a lot of those types of things. So they talked about, I don't know the specifics, but they talked about, she actually was able to swim from like one Island to the next. Like that's how proficient she got at swimming. Well, I guess if you keep finding yourself in water, like, I mean, really, yeah, I found myself (laughs) fuging and around bees, I would try and find a way to, work with that that situation i guess first of all fuging whatever <laughs> i don't know if that's the way that you'd say that but it just made me laugh um but yeah no i mean she but also i think maybe you shouldn't be a good swimmer because then who knows where you're gonna go you know what i'm saying like you like i think it would be different if like the first time where she just was floating along and she was found versus, I know I can swim. I'm just going to keep swimming. You know what I mean? Survival Oh, mode. forest gumping it. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So anyways. So, oh. so do you know what, what island of the U.S. Virgin Islands she was on? She was in St. Thomas. Okay. I'm trying to look that up just because I have to, you know. <laughs> yes. You look that up. So she said, let me see, where was I? Okay. Also, the day after that, there was a faculty meeting that she normally would go to, but she didn't show up for that either. So a friend called Hannah, another friend called her closest friends on the island and in the States. Because again, it's like, has anybody talked with her? Has anybody seen her? But no one had spoken to her at this point for three days. 
And again, it was the same time of year as her previous two fugue states. And so immediately she said, go search near the water. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they started with her favorite beach, which was called Sapphire Beach, where she often snorkeled and, and, you know, would um, go swimming. Near the water, they found a small bar that served hamburgers and mimosas, which is a really odd combination, I feel. Um, On a stool there, they found a sundress, sandals, and her car keys folded up nicely on the stool. So workers said that they discovered the belongings in the sand when they were just clearing debris from the storm. And they also saw that Hannah's car was in the parking lot. Inside the car was her purse, wallet, passport, and cell phone. So her clothes and car keys were found on the on the beach. Yeah, in essence, near this yeah, yeah near this little um, bar, you know, bar hut thing. They grabbed that stuff, kind of kept it like, okay, someone's probably going to come back for this, and then they found the car that had the rest of her stuff in it. Okay. Wow. Okay. So again. Um, given her strength as a swimmer at this point, her friends thought, okay, she can probably survive several days in, in the water. She'll be able to kind of get somewhere. They did go into the boats. They searched the shoreline. They also searched a small island nearby based on the current. They did. They mm. took helicopters up, but they couldn't find anything. They didn't see her. They didn't see anything else. Also, they said that her name was not listed on any of the, um, any of the Mercy ships for like evacuation. But again, here's my question. If she wasn't Hannah, would she give her name? Yeah. I don't know what looking for her name would do, but anyways, I don't, I don't know. know. Well, she did also sign into her email that one time. So true. You yeah, know, true. I don't know. So then, but again, another hurricane was coming, right? So because of all that, they had to, after three days of searching, so she was gone three days, three mm-hmm. more days of searching, they had to call everything off. So then, of course, everyone was worried because a new storm was coming. Mm-hmm. But they also figured by this point, after the storm came, reached this land. point, yeah, either she drowned or she reached something. But if she drowned, they said, well, we would have seen her body by now. Like her body would have washed up. Hmm. So they, again, after the storm, they circled the islands. They looked at the boats. They looked at airports even and homeless shelters. They looked at the beaches and different hospitals. They talked to captains from boats and marina workers. And they even went to the morgue to look at unclaimed bodies, right? They didn't see her. Hmm. So after they couldn't find anybody, um, Barbara and some of her Quaker friends (laughs) bought her or sorry, some of Barbara's Quaker friends bought her a ticket to St. Thomas. Right. So now they're sending mom. She came to the Island on November 21st. So she's been missing for more than two months. Oh, she started to try to search as well. Here's the thing though. She started driving her car around and I don't know if Hannah's car was like processed and you know what I mean? Like investigated fully, but two months have gone by. She started driving (laughs) the car around so she day she did say that um at one point you know she said she just kept she also went to like homeless encampments and just you know she went through all the even drug addicts and alcoholic like you know where the um people that may homeless people that are on drugs or are not on drugs like she just went everywhere like just wow. looking anywhere hmm. and sometimes she would find someone that looked close obviously some people had sightings it turned out not to be her 
So then she said she did wonder why, you know, um, why the water meant something for her. She talked about maybe it was because she was baptized, but, you know, wasn't sure there. Then mom also shared that one day, right before she filed for divorce, she too entered a kind of disassociative state in part. She believes based on um, a medication that she had started taking, but she said that she had been on her way to teach a class because remember she was a a Methodist pastor at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, She was on her way to teach a class at the Methodist church and about a woman who um, had joined the worship. But then she said that um, the last thing she remembered was driving south on the highway. And then she found herself beside a river. I I see. I don't mm. She said, why did I go to the water? Like she asked herself and she said, I remember feeling comfortable there, (laughs) but I didn't have a measure of time. I didn't know where I was and I didn't have an understanding of the mechanisms of my body. So it's like, she just was there. And she said, but after a few hours I drove home. And then when I saw my kids faces, she said, oh, they've been worried. Oh, what? Yeah. I, oh, I think I just punched (laughs) my mic. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. So also one mm -hmm. of the people at the bar on the beach said that, um, he said, I don't think she went out into the water because everything that goes out that way comes back and she would have washed up already. So he's like, but again, that's where her clothes were and her keys and everything. So at one point they actually found someone said, oh my gosh, like, I think I see her. She's at a, a homeless shelter. Right. And so she and the police, um, someone in the police department drove there. They ran up the flight of steps and the detective actually said, oh my God, I think that's her. And he grabbed her and put handcuffs on her. But then mom got a good look at her. Like mom came up the stairs right after, got a good look at her and said, no, it's not her. Oh my gosh. Like that was the closest that they had come. Um, then she said, Basically, Hannah's two closest friends said that they wondered if Barbara would stay on the island forever Hmm. because she wanted to continue looking for her. But Barbara said, I need to be here and I trust I'll know when I need to go back home. I I just, I find that just strange. I mean, because like all of it, and I'm Mm -hmm. not saying you ever give up on someone, but also it's an X square mile. Like, are you hoping, is that why she's there? Does she hope that she returns to that place? You know, I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Wow. And also side note, the Virgin Islands are just Island. I, I don't know if this is the case, but I know sometimes Island communities, like if mm-hmm. they're small, it takes a long time to get approved to have a vehicle on the Island. Like I know oh, in Catalina, they're supposedly like, when you get married to someone and you think you're going to have a kid, you put in an application to have a car on, on the island. Oh my goodness. Because um, it might take 16 years to get processed. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine that. Mm-hmm. So that, that the mom using the car sounds strange for sure, but it could be mm. something similar, you know? Well, I guess I just, like I said, I always think of like cases like this where, okay. Um, we've heard where it's like, they didn't process the car and they missed this key. Yeah, clue yeah. Or like hints, or, you know what I mean? or who knows? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so last bit, they did um, create a Facebook page in 2017. Oh, September 19th. So just five days after she went missing, um, or five days after they realized she was missing, they created a Facebook page. It's called Find Hannah Up. 
And I just the last, on it. <laughs> <laughs> the last time that they posted was in May of 2019. So I don't know why it's been, well, three years now um, since we've seen any, you know, any information or any movement on this. Um, yeah. I was going to message this um, group just to mm-hmm. kind of see, but they, they've they posted some other articles. They also posted the New York Times article that I got a lot of information from. I mean, this article was so thorough. It was, it was um, fabulous. It's called How a Young Woman Lost Her Identity. I just want to give a shout out to this author um, by Rachel Aviv. And it's mm. the subtext or subtitle says, Hannah Epp disappears for weeks at a time, forgetting her sense of self. Can she still be found? So again, Ooh, as, as cool. of this very day, Hannah Up has never been found. The only potential update we had, let me see, was, um, I believe it was in 2018. I'm trying to find it, but it, I think it was in 2018 that a body washed up on shore at some point, but it was like just bones basically, you know, type of thing. Like there was not, it was so decomposed that they weren't able to get anything off of it. And so they didn't know if it was her. Um, I'm trying to see if I have that. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. So it's like, they don't know for sure, but they did find a body or a body was, was found was appeared on shore um, some, uh, well, like I said, over a year later and then, um, yeah, no, I'm not seeing that anyways, but it was in 2018. And so, but there was nothing that could identify her, but I wonder too now though, like maybe with the technology we have now, they could go back and I don't know if they could do anything, you Sorry, know, but I touched me. I mean that I hope they could do something, <laughs> but yeah. So I don't know if it was her. We don't know if the body was her, but she, um, she's still, as far as we know, she's never been found and she's never popped up anywhere. And that's all we know of Hannah up. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and how could she kind of, I mean, except for physically, you couldn't trace her. She doesn't have a phone. She doesn't have a passport mm-hmm. ID, anything, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it's just, man. And I, I would yeah. be curious to look at like neighboring out of United States jurisdiction kind of like islands mm-hmm. or something. Well, I wondered that too. Cause I thought if she was a, um, again, a proficient swimmer and she was able to find herself, you know, swimming in the ocean or, or even on boats or I don't know, whatever, you know what I mean? But like, if she was able to survive long enough that another boat found her, I don't know that they would have been as kind, you know what I'm saying? So they could have taken her somewhere and been like, Oh, okay. You're ours now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you hear I mean, about these weird just... stories of people going like the sex, um, slate or sex trade biz or, you know, whatever market, what's the word black market. <laughs> I don't know. You know what Trafficking? I mean? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> sex slave market. I don't know where I got that, but anyways, so yeah, I wondered, I wondered about all of that, but like, again, at at a time there was like a sighting every week or two or three, you know, but then that's kind of slowed down. And like I said, I tried to go on the Facebook page. I tried to look at anything else and it's really, it's hard to find an article about her after 2018. So some, for some reason around 2018, 2019, I think I found an article that was published in 2021 basically just reviewing and saying nothing's changed, but it it's like new information is not 
has not really been um, wow. posted. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I mean, again, not blown away necessarily, but it's just, it's so interesting. I guess I the detail that I'm most, I, well, blown away about or <laughs> com- confused about, I guess maybe is the best word is why wouldn't you like, why was your self-preservation not saying I need to be found again if I go missing? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. And then moving to an island, I don't, mm. all of it's so odd. I, I mean, remember and, you know, the water grounded her a lot of times. Well, so maybe she thought, well, if I'm surrounded by it, you know, mm-hmm. and she was okay for a number of years, you know? Yeah. But I, I agree. I, I mean, I, on the one hand I get like, okay, she didn't want to be defined by this, um, this diagnosis or this part of her or this ability that she has to do to <laughs> go into go these away. But also uh, like be practical. Like that's, that's what I thought too. Like be practical. It's, you know, and, and I agree with you in that, you know, people may find it hard to, or, or think that they would be defined in just this one facet, or I don't want this to have ownership over who I am as a person, right? This is like my defining feature, but you know, I think lots of people kind of feel that way about different things like cancer survivors mm-hmm. or whatever, but mm-hmm. you still take your effing medication, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't have to let this define me, but if something happens, I, I should be proactive in my ability to help myself. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I guess again, for lack of a better terminology, but I just, I don't understand where her sense of self-preservation prevented her from, I, I ugh. Well, yeah. And like I said, I, I don't, I don't understand that either because I just think you know that this is a part of you, you know, that you are capable of this and to just be so like blase to just be like, whatever. Yeah. And 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 the mom too, to be like, that's your decision. Yeah, I guess. And, And the other thing I really, really don't understand is with like schizophrenics or people that do Mm -hmm. have to be chemically dependent on something because, you know, they're bipolar or whatever. I more so understand the, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I I don't want to have to take this thing to be me anymore. She doesn't have that same excuse. You literally wear a thing on you that lets us know where you are. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I I just. I know that was my thought too, though. That's like, okay, but it's, it's pretty low risk for you, like low, low maintenance, whatever you want to call it. Like it is, it's not a lot for you to do this, but it at least lets people know where you are, if something has happened and they can yeah. have a better idea. Because again, if she went on the beach, like she could have been, whoop, you know, and I, obviously she's not on the island, I assume, because I think she would have been, they would have found her for sure by now, but or she's in a shallow grave, which is super mm-hmm. unfortunate. But like, I do feel like in such a small area, Mm-hmm. If she were there, she would have been found. Yeah, I think she went out in the water. I think so too. Honestly, I think she swam for it somewhere mm-hmm. and either reached somewhere that had no knowledge of who this person was. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. that's what she wanted too. Maybe she wanted to be able to, to go and not have this be a defining. She wanted to change her name for a while there, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Well, that was because she was embarrassed, though. True, but if you don't want to be judged by the stigma that's surrounded by your name, mm. what better way than to just disappear right before a hurricane comes? Or after, yeah. I don't know. It's, I know. I guess she could be out crazy. there, right? She could, and she could also be in a different type of state that, or you know, fugue state. Like obviously, before she didn't really like inherit a, 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 a personality or another identity. Mm-hmm. Maybe she did. Maybe she got picked up. Maybe she's like living on another in another place or on a boat, or maybe she's just living her best life somewhere else. And she's like, she's part of this she's other no identity longer. Now. This person, yeah, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, doesn't you know. Yeah. Maybe she has a whole family and everything like that. And she just doesn't, right. I can't introduce you to somebody because I don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't she's know. Not here anymore. Yeah. It's super interesting. So I know. bizarre side question note, like, cause <laughs> okay. we're talking about people going missing or just going out into the wild, I guess, to some degree, mm-hmm. um, whether she chose to or not, you know, maybe this time she did. Do you think that people like like the grizzly man, that guy that went and like stayed with grizzlies. Did you ever hear about him? Mm-hmm. It, it was a really famous case where he would go live with grizzly bears. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he, there was something like off about him that he would just go put himself in imminent danger and think like that magical thinking thing, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. fine. They're my friends. I'll be they fine. are not yes. 2000 ton or 2000 ton, 2000 pound, uh, you know, head biters, <laughs> like what, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I find stuff like that interesting. This might be an unpopular opinion, but when I hear people like that, I, I feel like there is some level of mm, mental illness. Well, yes, but more specifically, I don't know the best word to say, like cockiness almost like mm-hmm. I'm so special. What's the word? Um, the grandeur delusions of grandeur. Like I am so special and I am so, I know um, better than everybody else. (laughs) Right. Like these animals would not hurt me. Like, I think it's almost like a, not, I don't want to say narcissistic, but almost that, that level of like, you think, you think you could like, you're fine. And maybe you are, I don't know, maybe you are that special, but like, that's what I think it's a little bit of like a, like a cockiness almost like, Mm -hmm. Like I said, that, that grandeur, like, I well no, if they wouldn't hurt me. And then it's like, how many times have we heard that? And then they're like, and then they were chewed up by a tiger. A chomp, chomp, chomp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, and I do wonder about that. Like, I think to some degree, the really extreme, like off the grid people have something going on that might be undiagnosed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, while I don't think, and I'm very much, all right, let's have food. Let's just in case something happens so we get snowed in, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I am oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, now for sure. <laughs> yeah, like that, you know, or before with earthquakes or fires or whatever, mm-hmm. like, let mm-hmm. me be prepared. But I do wonder if, you know, these people that do have this, like, that outside the norm thinking, you know, is yeah. there anything behind that? And I don't know, it's kind of my little rabbit brain jumped from her and, <laughs> and that bizarre mm-hmm. thinking to me, bizarre, you know, I guess if Hannah or whoever Hannah is now is listening, <laughs> whatever. But I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I mean, like I said, it's, it's, I just, I found this case very interesting, obviously having that, that component that is just so abnormal and bizarre in there that, you know, and just that feeling of like, wow, you can just be not you and just boop, 
You know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy. It's It's like that guy that's that psychologist or psychoanalyst or whatever that said Mm -hmm. people falsely think that, whatever you quoted, that personality is stable, right? Yeah. And that's fiction. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think, I think a lot of people understand that that is not necessarily the case because how many people get divorced after their spouse has changed over time, right? Because we do change, Yeah, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, if your personality is inherently in flux, right? As it should be, because you're Mm -hmm. taking in new understandings and new experiences. How do you think that your ability to have a touchstone might not also be in question sometimes? Right. I don't know. Hmm. That's a very interesting one. It's a lot of speculation, granted, but I think it's it's fun speculation on like, what what would you okay if this were your child, Casey, you oh. know, uh-huh. like, and it was mm-hmm. they were fuging. <laughs> I'm just I'm going with it. Sure. <laughs> um, w- would you almost want to like take the choice away from them to not be tracked? You know what I'm saying? Yes, one thousand percent. We have the alien technology somewhere. Track his ass, like no, <laughs> like the guys that sh- stick him with a sh- like a snout, like a schnauzer. Like exactly. I would literally, and I don't know. And like I said, I don't know. Maybe we do have the that technology now to like literally chip someone, so I can like like a like a like the Apple Air Tags, yeah. right? Like find your phone, shove an Air Tag in his butt cheek. I don't care, but like. Right? <laughs> something on him so that I know where he is. Like I would absolutely do Mm -hmm. that. And, and, and again, it's like, I understand that you need to be, you need to have individual choice and all of that, but it's a safety issue. I I would really struggle with that. Like, yeah, you know, if to the most extreme, as a child, like right now, as a child, I wouldn't let him just wander around in the streets for all of the safety, for all the same reasons of like, you would not, you're not in a state right now. So of course my son is seven. Childlike, yeah. oldest. So you are not in a state to, to take care of yourself, to protect yourself, to do all these things. I wouldn't let you do that now. But in, if he had, if he, if he as an adult was then diagnosed with this, then I would, then that's the state he would be in again. You're not in a state to protect yourself, to defend yourself, to, to care for yourself. So absolutely. I would treat it almost in that same way of like, listen, I know, yes, there's a little bit of like personal autonomy that's being removed here, Mm -hmm. but it's like only for good reason. Yes. (laughs) Yes. In this way, in this aspect, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not like, you know, the mom had to petition for conservatorship or something like that. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. but you know, I I don't even know if there's a precedent for something like this to say, because when she is in these States, Mm -hmm. she is not whatever. Well, it's just the one thing that was passed where you can, it can be determined that you can forcefully medicate someone because of safety, right? Like that's how I would see this. I, I think I agree with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it could be argued, but I mean, yeah, I don't think it happens enough that it's, that it's been explored. I agree. We should, we should look it up. Yes, Next. we should. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is, like I said, that is Hannah up. That is the end of her story. As far as we know, uh, we don't have anything else. So at this time, either Hannah is out there living her best life is not Hannah. She's, she might be in the water somewhere. She might have died. Um, she may have been picked up. Like, we just don't know. I mean, truthfully, missing. 
I mean, and I don't think we'll ever know. I mean, mm-hmm. huh, it's very interesting. If Amelia Earhart went missing, I feel like with all the publicity and if this one, if Hannah hasn't been found with all the attention that she had had for a long period of time. Yeah. I don't know a case, but this is a good one. I appreciate it. Yay. So I do like it. So hopefully all of you enjoyed it as well. Thank you for joining us this week. And next week we'll next cool. week. We will be back with a case that Monica is going to go over or a subject that Monica will share with us. So hope you guys have a good week. Stay safe. Um, don't go fuging. Yeah, don't go fuging. (laughs) And if you do go fuging, consider getting yourself chipped. Or an Apple AirTag. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. Be safe out there. We'll see you on the next time. Bye. Bye.